for listening to this audio podcast from Christian Life Church, Nassau, Bahamas with Dr. Jay Sims. We hope that this message will be a blessing and encouragement to you. I'm going to ask you today to turn to several passages of Scripture because I'm going to teach you today on how to have victory over your mind. Now, I don't know if you know this, but I think most people know this, that the mind is the primary battleground where the enemy is fighting you, where he is attacking you, is in the area of your mind. Now, in preparation for this message, I want you to turn to a few passages. But first of all, the book of Luke. Chapter 12, we might even put this up on the screen in Luke chapter 12 and verse 32. I want you to listen very carefully to these first two verses. Luke 12 and verse 32. Here's what it says. Fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the what? <clears throat> to give to you the kingdom. Now, I, I believe I could stop on this verse right here, and someone needs the first two words, and that is fear not. There, there's someone here today, you need this word, fear not. Fear not, it is the Father's good pleasure. I want to tell you, I tell you, it takes the, it gives the Father pleasure to bless His children. And it is the Father's good pleasure to give unto you the kingdom. Now, I'm so glad it's His good pleasure to give us the kingdom because we know that the kingdom of God, according to Romans 14, 17, is not meat and drink, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Someone say righteousness. Someone say peace. Someone say joy. Someone say in the Holy Ghost. Now, fear not. If you need that word today, that's God speaking to you. Fear not, be not afraid. He said that to his disciples when they were going through a storm. He said, fear not, be not afraid. It is I. I, I'm telling you, God is wanting to endeavor to speak a word to someone here that you might be troubled in your heart. You might be troubled because of circumstances in your life. But God says, fear not. Isaiah 41 and 10 says, fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am the Lord thy God. I will help you, I will strengthen you, and I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness, says the Lord. Fear not, fear not, fear not. Fear not. Whoever God is speaking to you today, I want to tell you that God is bigger than any problem you have. He is bigger than any mountain that you can or you cannot see. And God today is wanting you to know He has planned victory for you. He has planned victory for you. He has planned for you to be more than a conqueror, for you to be an overcomer in this life. Now here's the next verse. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12. Matthew 11 and verse 12. 
Here's what it says. It says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence. And the violent take it by force. The violent take it by force. Now, that almost sounds like a little uh, contradiction. First, if he says, fear not, it's the Father's good pleasure to give to you the kingdom. But now he is saying from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, but the violent take it by force. Now, we need some people here today to understand that yes, there are some things that are freely given to you. There are some things that Jesus has already paid for when he went to the cross. Come on, and he made a show of the devil openly, triumphing over him in it. He's already defeated the enemy. But our place in this whole scenario is that we must enforce the victory that has already been won at Calvary. Can I get an amen? You see, it's like this. We have a government of the Bahamas. We have a constitution. We have laws that have been laid down. But how many of you understand today that we have a lot of lawbreakers? And because we have lawbreakers, we need persons who are going to enforce the laws of the land. Come on, now let's, let's give a hand for all of our police officers in the house because they need our prayer. We're praying for law enforcement agencies and law enforcement officers because they need our prayer. They put their lives on the, li on the line every day. But, we, but they are here to enforce the laws of the land. And as God's people, Jesus said, Behold, I give you authority over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. Now, church, that doesn't sound like me, that we're defeated and we're going under. That sounds like we have authority, and the point is, we, the violent, must take it by force. We've got to, with the authority of the name of Jesus, the word of God, the blood of Jesus, we got to start using the weapons of our warfare against the enemy. So I'm calling for people today to rise up and let Jesus be big and strong inside of you. Rise up and begin to use what God has given. We have to, this is, it's just a parallel, police officers have authority. The authority is they have the Bahamas government backing them. When they have on that uniform, and now they, they have a little more than a uniform, they need a little more than a uniform. Amen? I mean, because of who they're facing out there, right? They need protection. On the one hand, it is God's will to give us the kingdom. The kingdom is defined, here it is, as God's rulership. That's where Jesus is Lord. His kingdom come. Where the kingdom is, that's where the king is ruling. That's what every one of us has to have in our life, the kingdom of God. It brings government, it brings the government of God, and it brings divine order. Now, here is, here is a serious problem. God's plan is that we would have internal discipline, but when there is no internal discipline, 
that's when there has to be external discipline. So the law is not for the law abiding, it's for the lawless. The sword is not, you know, for those who are keeping the law. It is for those who do not keep the law. Can I get an amen? So God wants his kingdom to to come on earth as it is in heaven. Now, how many of you know there is no sickness up in heaven today? And how many of you know there is no hunger in heaven? How many of you know there is no depression in heaven? I want to tell you, we need God's kingdom, come on, to be manifested. That's why Jesus said, pray, thy kingdom come. What? Thy will be done. Where? On earth, even as it is in heaven. Now, there is a war going on that is seeking to discredit the kingdom of God and seeking to discredit God's right of rulership in your life. A major weapon that the devil uses today is the weapon of deception. Secondly, if he can't deceive you, he will get you in ignorance. So he uses ignorance to destroy God's people. Here's what the Bible says in Hosea 4 and 6. My people are destroyed, what? For a lack of knowledge. Now, we often stop right there with that verse. But why are people destroyed for a lack of knowledge? It's not a problem of aptitude. It is a problem of attitude. And the attitude is because you have rejected my word. And so God says, I I will reject you. So I want to say right now that even as I'm standing up here, there are are people right now, the enemy is already taking your mind. See, we're talking about winning the battle of the mind. The enemy is already taking your mind out to lunch. Hello, you're already thinking about that fried fish, that goggle eyes and peas and rice and macaroni and cheese and fried planted. You're already thinking about that. You're already thinking about that buffet you go into today to buffet your body. So, so my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. But what, why will some people here today lack knowledge about what I'm about to preach? It's because they already turned me off. I, I'm just being realistic. This message now is going to be out on television, and some people getting don't touch the channel. You need this message so that you don't be ignorant. Paul said, I am not ignorant of his devices, lest he hath advantage over me. The reason why the devil has advantage over so many uh, of God's people professing to be saved is because you are ignorant of his devices. I'm exposing one of his devices right now. He is attacking your mind. He's trying to distract you. That's a demon spirit for, for that, that is trying to distract you that you don't get the word today. Put your, put your hand on your heart. Say, my heart is good soil. Hey, this is good ground. And I will be taught the word. I will not be ignorant of Satan's devices. Amen. Now that you've 
Got that? I can move on. Back to the kingdom of God. Every person who really walks and lives in the kingdom of God is a real threat to the devil and is a real praise to God. I just want to tell you something. This week, some of you were faced with situations. And the way you handled the situation was you either was a praise to God or you aided and abetted the enemy in his plans for your life and others around you. So you see, every time you're faced with a temptation, every time you're dealing with the thoughts in your mind, how you deal with those things, come on, can determine, come on, who's going to be praised, the enemy or God. The enemy knows it is the Father's good pleasure to give unto you the kingdom. And so he sets up all of these roadblocks, all of these strategies, all of these schemes in order to try to stop you from establishing the will of God on earth and in your life just as it is in heaven. And with that backdrop, let's turn to the key text for today And that is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3, 4, 5, and 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3, 4, 5, and 6. I I, I want you to know today that there is a war going on. And that war is primarily right between your two ears. Now, when you are born again, you really don't want to sin again. Now, hear hear this. When you are really saved, you don't relish the opportunity of sinning. You don't really, you, the born again person, don't really desire to, to sin deep down in your heart. The part of you that got born again really hates sin. But I have to help somebody here today. Because you see, you are a three-part being. You are a spirit. You have a soul. But you live in this body of flesh. Now the part of you that got born again is your spirit man. You remember when Jesus was approached by Nicodemus, and Nicodemus said, Lord, you must be a great teacher come from God. No one could do these miracles except God be with him. And Jesus said, okay, Nick, uh, you got to be born again. In other words, you see, I I mean, uh, some other teacher would have accepted the compliment and said, oh, thank you, you know. But with Jesus, he just cut to the chase and said, Nicodemus, your promise, you got to be born again. And he was a religious person but had no understanding of the born-again experience. And he said, now, Lord, how can a person be born again when he is old? How can a man enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus knew then that this man was ignorant. And he said, no, Nick, it's like this. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not, I say unto you, you must be born again. 
So guess what? When you got saved, listen now, your spirit man got saved. I wish I could. I, I know we preach it like this. You know, another soul got saved. I'm sorry. The soul didn't get saved. And that's why people are so confused. That's why people are so confused. Why are they they're struggling so much if I'm saved? Because the enemy cannot touch your born-again spirit. But the area he does attack you is in the soul man. That is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Give me three young men here. Richard Ricardo, uh, come, come, let, me just sh- let me explain. Here is your spirit. Here is your soul. And here is the body. This part of you that got saved, your spirit man, that's the part of you that was perfect this morning when you got up. But the soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, that's the part of you that was battling this morning about whether you wanted to go to church or not. Because the enemy was attacking you. Your emotions, that's your feelings. He's attacking you in your feelings, your, your, your thoughts, and he's affecting your will. Because it's the era of the will that you're going to make a decision. <clears throat> now here's the body. The body is, is, is there. The body is not saved. This is your earth suit. The body is the part of you that when, it, when, when you, were, you came into this earth and took on this, that little baby earth suit and the doctor spanked the little baby earth suit and the little baby cried. Well, that's the baby. Well, that baby, that's the physical part. That body grows and develops. That body has problems. The spirit man stays perfect. But it's the soul man. This is where the enemy is attacking you, in your mind. He's attacking you in your emotions. Come on. In the era of the realm of your feelings. That's why you can't trust your feelings until they get sanctified and you bring the soul man. Now here it says, receiving, here's what First Peter says, the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. So you are saved. You are being saved. And you shall be saved when this corruptible puts on incorruptibility. Come on, and you shall have a new body. Come on, a a glorified body. God bless you. You may be seated. I, I just want you to understand the difference between your spirit, your soul, and your body. Because once again, it's in the soul realm where the enemy is attacking you every day, is attacking your mind. And he is bringing thoughts into your mind. But that's why we need to go to 2 Corinthians. Now, let me say again, a real born-again believer doesn't feel good about sinning. An unbeliever could just sin and go on sinning, and he doesn't have any problem with guilt about it. He will just go on committing the same sin and other sins repeatedly. But if you're really saved, You cannot sin successfully. What I mean by that is you can commit a sin, but you can't sin successfully because you just can't feel all that great about that sin. Uh, Come on, because you are a born-again believer. It doesn't mean you cannot sin, but you can't sin successfully and feel good about it. This is why John said, 
He who practices sin habitually as a way of life does not know God. First John also says, but if you say you have no sin, you're just deceiving yourself and the truth is not in you. But if we confess our sins, he's writing to believers. I want to tell you just so that you relax. After I got saved, I've sinned. Come on, there, there is sins of commission and there are sins of omission. The sins of commission is where you just deliberately said, I'm going out. I don't care what God thinks. I don't care what the Word says about this. I'm going and I'm going to do this no matter what. But there are sins of omission. The Bible says, he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is what? To him it is sin. So I need, if not sin, forgiveness for my sins of commission, I certainly need sins, forgiveness for my sins of omission. He said if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He said these things I write unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate. Thank God. We have an advocate. We have a lawyer. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus will stand on our behalf before the Father and says, yes, I'm representing J. Sims. Yes, I know he sinned, but I've already paid the price for his sin. And yes, he is willing to confess his sins. So, Father, I thank you that you forgive Jay. He forgives us when we confess our sins. He is faithful. We have Jesus, the righteous, who is the propitiation for our sins. He goes on to say, however, that real believers cannot habitually practice sin as a way of life. In other words, they can't live that way and be real happy about it. I'm telling you what, if you're, if you're here and you really did get born again and you're committing sin and you're real happy about it, I, I have to question the validity of your Christian experience. And I just want to say right now, if you, if, see, uh, here's, here's what I, I'm afraid of. You could be a church member and not be saved. I, I'm not for one minute thinking that every member of Christian Life Church right now is saved. Come on. You, you could present yourself for church membership. You could write on there, yes, I got born again. You could fill out that application and, and satisfy me. But God knows whether you're saved or not. Come on, you could, you could get in the choir and not be saved. You, you could become a preacher and not be saved. It takes more to be saved, come on, than just shaking a preacher's hand. Come on, you've got to believe that Jesus died and that he rose again. And if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, the name of the Lord shall be saved. Good preaching, Pastor Jay. But many people have been genuinely saved and still are not, have not yet learned what I'm about to teach you today. You're, you're saved if you have the seed of Jesus inside your heart and hate sin. 
There's a part of you that is not saved. I just explained that. That part of you, especially the mind, that's the part of you that needs constant renewing. There is a war going on for your mind. Now let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For though we walk in the flesh, that means we live in a body. Even though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Now that is real important for there is nothing in your flesh that would recommend you to win this war. There is nothing in your intellect, nothing in your physical power, nothing in your flesh that will cause you to win this war. We must put no confidence in the flesh. I said, in my flesh, there's no good thing. In my flesh, I'm nothing. I can do nothing. In my flesh, I'm a big zero. Now, verse 4. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. But mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then he explains really how a stronghold is built. Notice verse 5. Casting down what? Imaginations. Uh, Probably better translated as arguments. There are ideas that argue against what is the revealed will of God in your mind. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had an argument in your mind? Have you ever had a thought flash through your mind? Some of you might have had an argument this morning at offering time. Yeah, you you may have had an argument at offering time, and the argument went something like this. If I pay tithes today, I don't know how I will make it this week. That's an argument. It's an argument against the revealed will of God. Come on, I'm just trying to show you how the enemy comes with thoughts into your mind and so that there become arguments. Thank you, Brother Smith. See, the devil brings ungodly thoughts to your mind, and then he tells you, he tells us, now listen carefully, then he tells us, oh, that's just the way you are. That's just the way you operate. That's just the way we live. The first thing we have to do is we have to learn to cast down imaginations, those arguments. Let me read the rest of the verse. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every, how many thoughts? Every thought. Everybody say Every thought. Say it two more times. Every thought. Say it again. Every thought. How many thoughts? Every thought. That's pretty drastic, isn't it? That's real radical to think that God wants you to bring every thought captive. The real war going on in your mind, uh, and I'm asking you, I'm actually going to read this next verse and Here's what it says, because we normally don't read this one. And having in a readiness 
to revenge all disobedience. Another word for revenge is the word punish. Punish all disobedience. Come on, having an readiness to punish all disobedience when your obedience is what? Is fulfilled. Now, we hardly ever get to that place. But it's my desire to really help somebody here today to be able to win the battle in your mind and to deal with the imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now, I want to tell you that it is time for us to go on the offensive. Someone said the best defense is a good offense. And, and the way we go on offense, we, can't all, we just can't sit around waiting for the devil to attack us. That's why when you get up in the morning, a good way for you to go on the offense is start your day giving God thanks right away. Thank you, Lord, for another day. Lord, I want to give you praise today. Thank you for life. Thank you for health. Start your day giving God thanks. The fact that I got up this morning, I got out of bed, and I said, thank you, Lord, for a new day. I thank you, Lord, I'm alive. I thank you that I'm breathing. And your word says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. So, God, I just want to start giving you some praise today. See, praise is, is going on the offense against the enemy. Haven't you read, out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise? You know what it does? According to Psalm 8, it stills the enemy. Come on, if the enemy is coming, continually attacking you, then you get the praises of God in your mouth, the high praises of God in your mouth, and a sharp two-edged sword in your hand. Come on and start speaking the word of God. Come on, start saying what God's word said. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. He said, I will. Now, see, that that's, that's the part of you of the soul. See, David said, I will bless the Lord. Then he says in another place, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. What is he doing? He's saying, soul, I know how you are, but I'm telling you, you're under me. And I'm saying, soul, you bless the Lord. See, you got to let your spirit man rise up and be, come on, in charge and in control and speaking to your soul and singing to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart. So as you start praising God, you're going on the offensive. Before the enemy can start bringing thoughts in your mind, you start getting God's thoughts in your mind. And every time he tries to bring a thought contrary to the will of God and the word of God, the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty. And when you start saying, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus over my life, over my thoughts, over my mind, over my soul, over my body today. I plead the blood of Jesus. The weapons of our warfare. Now, I know some people, they don't like to talk about warfare, but I'm going to tell you, we are in a war. And the question is whether we're going to be ready to win this war. You're either going to win or you're going to be defeated by the enemy every day of your life. I'm just telling you that God has given you some weapons. It's time to have a different attitude. Come on. Even when you fail. Come on, when you fail, get back up again. And say, devil, you're a liar. 
You're not going to defeat me. I'm coming against you in the name of Jesus. And you make the devil pay for the last time he has caused you to mess up. Or the last time you said, you punish the devil with the praise going to God. Because that's what... That's what punishes him probably more than anything else because as that anointed cherub, he was the one directing the praise to God. But when he got evicted out of heaven, come on, at a speed of 86,000 miles per second, how do I know that? Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall from heaven like lightning and lightning travel at the speed of 86,000 miles per second. Lucifer tried a coup in heaven. You don't mess with the most high God. Come on, you're a created being. Come on, when what God says is so. And when God declares something, it is so. So you have to make a decision to line up your life with the word of God. It should be that when we say, the devil's going to pay for this. You just say, Father, I'm blessing your name today. Say again, David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. When? At all times. At all times. Not just some of the times you see at all times, in the good times, in the bad times. Come on, even when the enemy is attacking your emotions or when he's attacking your body, you can still bless the Lord. Come on, not just when everything is going well, not just when you got money in your pocket. Come on, you can just bless him at all times and let his praise continually be in your mouth. You got to understand that the mouth is the launching pad. Come on, the, there, are, there are the warheads, the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus. Come on, the word of God. But your mouth is the launching pad. To release the warheads. So when you're blessing God and praising God, come on. You start magnifying him. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Come on. When you magnify God, guess what? When you magnify him, you're making him larger. Come on, you're making him louder. You're making him mightier. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. See, it's time that we magnify the Lord and demagnify the devil. It's amazing how people dig up the devil like he's some on equal ground with God. He is not omnipresent. He's not non-omniscient. Come on. He doesn't have those attributes that God has. He is a created being and he has but a short time. And because he knows he has but a short time, he is working overtime. And he's doing everything he can to get you to fall, to get you to backslide, to get you to go back because he wants to take, you know, misery loves company. And he's trying to take as many as he can with him. But it's time you put your foot down and say, devil, not me and not my children. As for me and my household, we shall serve the Lord. Verse 6. And having in a readiness to revenge, to punish all disobedience. See, you, you're going to get this in your mind that you are to walk in such victory that, again, every time you get knocked down, you say, I'm getting right back up. You know, I remember someone telling me that when I was a new Christian. Because, see, now I must admit, when I was growing up as a little boy, I, I grew up in church. And I tell you, Shelly, I got to the altar many times.
Brother Victor, someone preached about hell. I did not want to go there, brother. I got in the altar and I was asking God to save me again. And, and, and for the most part, my younger years, it was like a roller coaster. I was up and sometimes down. And I remember at 17 when I said, you know, if I don't make it this time, I might as well forget it. And an older Christian heard me, just a little older than me, and he said, Jay, let me tell you something. He said, you might get knocked down again, but get back up. You might sin again, but confess your sin quickly. See, that's the problem with many people because, you see, when some people commit sin, they say, well, see, I can't live the Christian life. So they go on just practicing the sin. But that's not God's plan for your life. God wants you to live in victory. So your born-again spirit man is perfect. The enemy knows he can't touch your spirit. But your mind, your will, and your emotions, you're very vulnerable. Come on, you're vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. And that's why you need to put on the whole armor of God. Why? Why the whole armor? Because if you put on uh, three-fourths of the armor... The enemy knows the part you don't have on. You are vulnerable in that area. And guess what? Where he's going to attack you? Not where you're strong. But he's going to attack you in the area you are most vulnerable. So you need the whole armor of God. And then that's why when it comes to the mind, you've got to take the helmet of salvation. You know what that word is? The word for helmet is the word protection. The protection of salvation. It is important for you and I to put on the mind of Christ every day. Get on the mind of Christ before you leave your house in the morning. When you say today, I'm putting on the helmet of salvation. I put on the protection of salvation. What is that saying? It's saying, listen, devil, my mind is not a garbage can. My mind does not belong to defeat. My mind does not belong to a spirit of judgmentalism and criticism. Why? Because the enemy is attacking your mind and he's trying to bring a spirit of criticism on you that you criticize this one. Uh, you, you look up on the platform and you criticize that one. Or you look around you and you criticize this one. And then there's a spirit of judgmentalism that comes on where you're judging everybody. You better be careful. Judge not that you may not be judged. I was thinking about that scripture this week as I was at the prison at Galatians 6.1. It says, if a brother is overtaken in a fault, it says, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, lest you yourself. Uh, see, I, I'm very careful about a brother who's overtaken in a fault. Because you who are spiritual should restore that brother, that sister, in such a spirit of meekness. Now, some of you remember the 80s when uh, CNN had preachers who were criticizing other preachers 
for their failures and their sins and their mistakes. And then it wasn't long the very ones who were being critical found themselves on the other side of the coin for being caught in their own discretions. I tell you right now, listen, we're not, none of us are perfect. I said none of us are, are perfect. We all have faults and we all have failures. But I want to just say this. If there is someone taken in a fault, you better have a spirit of gentleness to restore such a one lest you find yourself. I, I, so don't give any place to a spirit of criticism. Don't give any place to that judgmental spirit. And you got to watch out who you hang around with. Because you see, if you hang around with people who have a critical spirit, Come on, that spirit will jump on you and you'll start shaking your head and say, yeah, you know, I noticed that too about them, child, you know, and, and you'll start getting that same critical spirit. And come on, it's not only in church, it's in the workplace. Come on, it's in your home. One member of the family always looking for an ally to join it with them. And you know that they do this and they do that. And hello. Everyone here declare with me. I will have the mind of Christ. Say it again. I will have the mind of Christ. I'm putting on the helmet of salvation. I will give no place to the spirit of criticism and the spirit of judgmentalism in Jesus' name. Now, how many of you know the enemy will attack you sometimes through other human beings? I know we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. But demon spirits can use other people. And so sometimes, you know what, when other people you think have done you wrong, that's the time you exercise another spiritual quality and you choose to bless them and not curse them. I bless them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I just bless them. The devil is always flashing thoughts into your mind. But you have a responsibility to bring those thoughts into the obedience of Christ. How? By speaking to that spirit in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. You judgmental, critical spirit, I bind you out of my mind. I bring my mind into the obedience of Jesus Christ right now. Sometimes you have to say it out loud. Sometimes you've got to speak it out of your mouth. Now, I'm not asking you to go around being spooky. I'm not, you know... I'm not asking you to be a spiritual fruitcake, but I'm going to tell you, sometimes you've got to be bold and you need to speak the word out of your mouth. In the name of Jesus. Sometimes you might have to go across, off to the side. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke that spirit right now off of my life, off of my life. You spirit of judgmentalism, you spirit of criticism, I rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, I just plead the blood of Jesus over my life right now. In the name of Jesus, I put on the whole armor of God. My loins are girt about with truth. Jesus, you are my truth. Come on. you got to put on Christ. Come on. I, I put on the breastplate of righteousness. Jesus, you are my righteousness. You, the Bible says put on Christ. My feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Come on. I take a, above all, I take the shield of faith whereby I quench every fiery dot of the wicked. Come on. Someone just get your shield up today. I take the shield of faith and I quench every fiery dot of the wicked. 
No weapon formed against me today will prosper. Every tongue that rises in judgment, I shall condemn, for this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. No weapon formed against my finances are going to prosper. No weapon formed against my family is going to prosper. Come on. Some of you got to go on the offensive with the weapons of your warfare and take a stand and bring those come on bring those thoughts into captivity Jesus said we're to bless and curse not now let me show you something your new man in Christ does not have a problem with lust doesn't know anything about unrighteousness but your mind has been pre-programmed come on all your pre-Christian life been programmed with the impulses to lust. Someone said, make it plain, preacher. Okay, let me, let me try. Let me try. I, I'm just saying is this. You're born again. You're saved. But if you go on the internet and you go to certain sites, and you start to entertain the pictures, then guess what? You're opening the door to the devil. Or, I don't know what channels you got, but if you go to certain channels and you're watching things at night, you already sent the children to bed, and you're up watching certain things at night, come on, that is getting into your eye gates and it's going to get into you, and you are not going to have victory over the devil. The devil is going to have victory over you. you got to watch your eye gates, your ear gates, what you hear with your ears, what you're seeing with your eyes. And I'm just, I'm just saying right now, if, if, if there's anyone here, you've been having a problem with pornography, you need deliverance. Because I'm going to tell you that is a spirit. And you know what I'm saying. Because you know, you, you thought you had quit. But all of a sudden, you're alone again. And there you go. You find yourself going to the site again. You could do like the guy on Fireproof. Take a baseball bat to your computer. Break up, break up the screen break up the CPU, whatever it is. I, I, I don't know all these terms, but, uh, you know, whatever it is that is going to defeat you spiritually, the Bible says make no provision for the flesh. I, I want to help someone today because I know that there is many temptations that you're dealing with. Now, let me give you three or four things on how to deal with temptation, and then I'm going to let you go. Here, number one. If you're going to win over temptation, first thing you need to do as a believer, you need to fortify yourself with prayer. That means, you know, uh, prayer ought to be first choice, not last chance. So long before the enemy is attacking you, you ought to be activating your prayer life, staying in a relationship with God through prayer, talking to God, speaking the word in your prayer, praying back to God, the word of God. So you need to fortify yourself with prayer. Stay prayed up. 
Can I tell you this? Prayer will keep you from sin. But sin will keep you from prayer. You, you know, sin sometimes keeps people from the house of God. Yeah, because you see, they can't stand the spirit of conviction. Come on, if they know that they're not living right, they know they're practicing sin. They don't want to come to church because I, I believe there's a spirit of conviction that is about to come into this house. Come on. And, and, and you know, I, I'm just going to say, I would repent of everything that I know I've done, everything right now, because you don't want the enemy to expose you. Go ahead and renounce that thing out of your life. But fortify yourself with prayer. The second thing, if you're going to win over temptation, is sometimes you have to take an alternative route. Because you know there are certain places you go that you're going to find yourself falling to temptation. So if you're going to win over temptation, don't go there. I said don't go there. Come on, if there is a place that you used to hang around, and every time you go to that place, you find yourself doing certain things, committing certain sins, don't go there. Take another route. Avoid going in that same place. So take an alternative route. The third thing, if you're going to win over temptation, uh, you remember Joseph when Miss Potiphar came to him and said, Joseph, you know, you're kind of you're cute. Man, you look good. I think all the children are out there, right? And uh, she just said, Joseph, wh why don't you just come and go to bed with me? And, you know, Joseph made no provision for the flesh. This, this might have not have been the first time we, when we're reading about it. It could have been the third or the fourth or the fifth time. But this time he made a decision that he wasn't hanging around. Come li lie with me. She grabbed the man. He ran, leaving his coat in her hands. When, you, when you're dealing with temptation, sometimes you got to just be like Joseph. Run, baby, run. Get out of there. That's right. Come on. I, I'm telling you, sometimes you, you, if you know there's going to be a problem here, long before it gets to that place, deal with it. You got to make a decision. What are you going to do before you get in the place of temptation? Another thing you need to do is you need to take God's word, and when the devil comes with his temptations, you need to take the word of God, and you need to shove it down his throat and make him choke on the word. Do you remember every time Jesus faced temptation? Every time he faced temptation, Jesus responded to the temptation with, It is written. First temptation, it is written. He said, now you've been fasting, Jesus. Why don't you turn this stone into bread? You know you're hungry. Why don't you turn? Jesus could have done it. But that was a temptation. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He shoved the word of God down the devil's throat. But the devil didn't give up the first time. He came back with another temptation. And Jesus again said, it is written. Came back a third time. Jesus responded, it is written. 
After three times, the Bible says the devil left him for a season. Now, I want to tell you, you might win the victory today, but I'll tell you what, the devil is coming back again. But I want to tell you, I believe that you can get to a place, come on, in your Christian life, that the devil at some point in time might make a decision, <laughs> uh, just go after that vulnerable one over there. Because this one here, he, he, you hear him in the morning, he's already praising, he's already praying, he's already speaking the word, come on, uh, he, he's hard to get to. Why? He's already put on the whole armor of God. He's standing against the vials of the devil. So you have to make a decision. So what are you going to do if you're going to win over temptation? Don't wait till you get desperate. Pray now. Get your prayer life going now. Start talking to God on a regular basis. Let God know you need him. Let him know of your dependency. I, I need you. I'm talking to people here right now. You are struggling with some areas of weaknesses, and I'm going to tell you, you need, you need to get into prayer. You need to get the word. Come on, the word of God. That's why David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed to the I tell you I, 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 if it was not for the word of God when I was an 18 year old come on I want to tell you I don't know what I've done but I started memorizing scripture I started hiding the word of God in my heart and I want to tell you I was not perfect at 18 I didn't become sinless at 18 but I sinned a whole lot less, and I started trusting God. I started getting stronger and stronger because why? The war that is going on is between the flesh and the spirit. You heard me tell the little story many times. The little guy coming up to the missionary saying, there's two dogs inside of me fighting. Which one wins? The one you feed the most. So which one you think is going to win this week? Your flesh or your spirit. Whatever you feed the most. Because what you feed gets stronger. What you feed gets stronger. So it's time to feed your faith and starve your doubts. It's time to feed the spirit. And it's time to starve the flesh. Ephesians 4 beginning at verse 14. That we henceforth. Be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ from whom the whole body fitly joined together, compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working, in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This I th say therefore and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. See, that's when you're not saved. You walk in the vanity of the mind. Having the understanding darkened, 
being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. But now he's, that, that, he's writing to the Gentiles. But then, who being past feelings have given themselves over to unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But now he's going to talk to you. But you have not so learned Christ. If so, that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That you put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed. Can I tell you there is great blessings in having a renewed mind. One blessing is this, Isaiah 26 and 3. Thou will keep us in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Thou will keep us in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. You remember the, the part of the armor? And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. There it is. Peace from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. God wants you to have peace. When, when you have your mind renewed, according to Romans 12, 2, he said, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, you'll be able to prove what is that perfect and acceptable and perfect will of God. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 15, 16, and 17, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. They are not of the Father, but they are of this world. And it says, and he that loveth the world, he said, these things are going to pass away. The world and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I believe God's speaking to some people here today. I want to say the word is clear. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you will change your thoughts, you can change your world. As a man thinketh, so is he. And so Philippians 4, 8 says... Think on things that are true, honest, just, and pure, lovely, and praiseworthy. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Think on these things. If you want to win the battle for the mind, you have to begin a war you expect to win. So this week you make a decision, I'm, I, I'm not going to be defeated in the area of my thought life. I, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going all out. I'm going to speak the word. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to think on these things that are true and honest. Listen, your whole life is a warfare. But you, you have to watch out for the secret pictures in the gallery of your mind. you got to make a covenant with your eyes, my brothers. Make a covenant with your eyes. 
Because I promise you tomorrow, before you get out of here, your eyes might be looking. But make a covenant with your eyes. Memorize the Word of God. Reinforce your will by the bond of accountability. You need to be accountable to somebody. That's why everyone here ought to be in some way connected with a small group. You need someone who you can say, I need you to pray for me. I, 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 I. You know, if you're struggling this week, just say it. Hey, I'm struggling. Brother, you need to pray for me. If you're a sister and you're struggling, I hope you have someone you can say, Sister, I need you to pray for me. Two are better than one. One of us could chase a thousand of flight. Two of us can chase ten thousand of flight. Realize this. Winning a war means you're going to have some battles, okay? I said you're going to have some battles, but I believe you are destined to win the war. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I want to encourage you, learn to live in the fear of the Lord. Learn to live with a reverential fear, honoring God, honoring his word. And then let me give you this other thought. Learn God's limitations to curiosity. You know, you got to be careful being curious. God has a set time for everything. And you need to put your, your trust in God. I, I know some of you, you have these urges and you have these needs. But God has a legitimate place for meeting of certain needs. The sexual needs, the place is marriage. Can I make it any plainer than that? Marriage is the place. And until then, come on, bring your body under subjection. Use sensual thoughts as a springboard to spiritual insights. So when these sensual thoughts come, they just say, thank you, Lord. You're letting me know it's time for me to go on the offensive. It's time for me to pray. It's time for me to speak the word. It's time for me to run. Y'all are not going to forget, run, baby, run, right? If you need to run this week, whatever it takes, you run. Make no provision. Neither give place to the devil. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio podcast from Christian Life Church with Dr. Jay Sims. We hope that this message has been a blessing to you.